So you can't, how, how, how do you expect people to know if you don't tell them? Some of mm-hmm. us are entrepreneurs. We're upset that nobody's calling us. Nobody's giving us a chance. Nobody's buying our materials or yep. inviting us to come. But you haven't told anybody what you're doing. Like, we don't read minds. And, and attention is the, new, is the new commerce now. Mm-hmm. So you got to tell people. You got to be bold enough to believe in what you have that you're willing to tell people. I put it all over social media. My book is out. Thought Fortunes Podcast, Episode 19. Guiding the Emerging Leaders with Pierre C. Quinn. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Fortunes Podcast. I am your host, D. Orlando Fortune. This is a show about business and authors. With the growing demand for information, entrepreneurs must learn how to turn their ideas into words on a page that bring in cash and share a unique message. This podcast brings you the strategies, tips, and bars to do just that and do it well using a book. Today's show is sponsored by Thought Fortune Press. You probably know that if you're not an authority in your industry, nobody's hearing your message. And you may know that the number one way to build your authority is by authoring a book. What you probably don't know is that you can write the manuscript for your first book in less than four hours. I'm D. Orlando Fortune from Thought Fortune Press, where we turn your ideas into a branded book that brings in the cash by sharing your unique message and positioning you as an authority in your industry. If you're an entrepreneur or speaker who's thinking about already writing or wanting to publish your next book, but don't want to write it or just want help getting it done, your first step is a wealthy author roadmap which is a two and a half hour call where we design your book's content, create a publishing timeline that fits your goals and come up with three ways to turn your book into back-end products. What makes us different is that we know a book is only the first step into your world. So we work with you on creating a signature suite of products all from your book's one outline. We do that using our proprietary systems. To get started on your personalized, wealthy author roadmap, go to thoughtfortunepress.com and click the gold star start here button at the top of the page. Remember, you're only one book away. Let us at Thought Fortune Press guide you to becoming an author. Go to thoughtfortunepress.com today. Oh man, this episode is uh is pretty pretty powerful if you allow it to be. I mean, I guess all of the episodes truly are powerful if you allow them to be. Uh I, the thing about this is that another speaker we have here who is great at storytelling. And if you're trying to be a powerful speaker, trying to be a powerful thought leader and especially when you're getting to writing your books, it is extremely important that you're able to tell your story with enough detail to have people engage, enough emotion for them to care, and enough information for them to have a takeaway from that. 
And you'll hear in today's conversation with Pierre Quinn how to do that through storytelling from a teacher, how to, and he's also a pastor, uh, former pastor. He has retired as, as of uh, the recording of this episode and uh, how to do that as a presenter. Like you're just going to hear it multiple times throughout this conversation where Pierre goes into storytelling and quickly pulls out some points at the end of that. You keep hearing me say this, and I'm saying that for a reason. Get good at telling stories. And Pierre's going to give you a simple strategy that he uses in order for him to get better at finding the right stories to illustrate and demonstrate his points. Pay attention to when he talks about getting into places and spaces where you can be affirmed and how that will affect your life. Um, there's a, a really good story about how Pierre is trying to get onto stages and he's just sending out these emails and he finally gets an email from this English professor that told him that he needs to stop sending these emails. But something surprising happens after that story. Um, you want to pay attention to what happens in that situation and how that launched his speaking career from that one email um, in a response from that English professor. Then there's another pulling story, another emotional story where Pierre talks about making lunch for a kid for his kids and what happened after making uh, lunch for his kids that caused him not only to cry for his for his wife to cry, for his kids to start getting emotional, but something after that event that turned his business around. Pay attention to what happened in that situation and see how you get to that point in your life and how it either is going to come up and you're going to change or it's happened and you've changed and you want to stay the course. Also pay attention to uh, what it means when Pierre says that attention is the new commerce and then what you should do with that. He breaks down a great example of what that looks like and how he's using attention as a form of commerce in his business. This is a great conversation as all of these episodes are. So get your pen and your paper and get ready to take some notes. Talk to you soon. All right, y'all. I am so excited to have another author here on TFP. Yo, uh, yo I'm so excited. You know what? We don't have a lot of time to get into today. You don't do my extra talking. So we're just I'm gonna let my guests talking. So let's get straight into the bio here. So Pierre Quinn is a sought-after speaker, author, educator, consultant, and minister who focuses on helping others to live, learn, and lead with confidence. As a gifted communicator and engaging storyteller, the most frequently asked question is: guess this, when can Pierre come back? For nearly a decade, Pierre taught college students the fundamental principles of communication, interpersonal relationships, team building, and leadership. His classroom experience created opportunities to connect with leaders across the country. Pierre is the author of Leading While Green, How Emerging Leaders Can Ripen Into Effective Leaders, and his most recent book, Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. He is the CEO of the Cardell Group, LLC, a consulting firm which focuses on growing leaders and empowering teams of all sizes. Pierre holds graduate degrees in communication and theology from Andrews University and a certificate in executive leadership from, whoa, yes, yes, he had to come out to the alma mater to get to finish and wrap everything out at Howard University. Pierre, Quinn, welcome to the podcast. Is there anything you want to add? Um, to your bio there. 
But by far, being a husband and a dad are my greatest leadership joys and challenges, all wrapped into one, bro. No <laughs> doubt about it. So, dad, so how old is how old is the little one? Whew, my 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 youngest is nine. Uh, mm-hmm. My oldest is eleven. So we're in that preteen phase, and I'm I'm about to lose some more here because I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know what I, I'm gonna have to read a book about this section. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, man, you know, I'm, I still got the little five-year-old, the five-year-old daughter, and I'm, you know, not married or anything. So it's like, I don't know a lot of stuff and trying to figure out how to be, I don't know, like, this, <laughs> you, I, don't, I, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know that I need to know. Man, you know, fi- and then I'm I read some you. stuff and by the time I understand it, she's grown to the next stage. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Excellent. 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 Well, welcome to the podcast here. Uh, let's go ahead and kick this off with a, a simple question, easy question for you. What are you reading now? Man, so I'm one of those guys that's like a serial reader. I got mm-hmm. books in every, like in every <laughs> section of my house. I mean, in the dining room table, the side table, in, in my little man cave here, there are books strewn everywhere. And and, it, and it's just crazy. So one of the books I'm reading right now is Leadership by John Maxwell. I'm a big John Maxwell guy. Like, mm-hmm. I've been reading Maxwell since the nineties and mm-hmm. just kind of consume everything he he writes. But this book that I'm reading leadership by him is really, really good. And you can see he's bringing to bear all of his knowledge uh, for all of these years, being a leadership guru and then like shifting because his mission right now, he knows he he's up in age. Mm-hmm. Uh, his energy level isn't the same. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to empower and equip the next generation of leaders and world changers. So all of his writing bends toward that end and leadership is really good. It's really good. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, definitely have that in the show notes. Uh, I love some John Maxwell uh, and even his whole strategy of how he's writing these writes books. And it's like what, like every eight, nine months, he has a new book out, something a, crazy like that. <laughs> right. And, and, and for TFP family to realize that what John Maxwell, he's talking about one subject. Now he, he may have some spinoffs every so often, some workbooks thrown in here, things of that nature. But for the most part, he's talking about leadership. Yeah. Now, how can you write 70, 80, I don't know how many books is that at this point. These are at least 70 books on leadership. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. all of them be 100 pages or plus. <laughs> all right. And that's, that's, that just speaks to uh, the amount of knowledge as you start growing and really diving into your niche. So let's talk to you, dive into what is your niche and what your message is. Similar to like how, how you brought up with a great leadership guru there and John Maxwell. Let's talk to us. Tell us about your business and why you do what you do. Okay. So man, so so much to unpack here because I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Mm. So my, my father, a quick story about my dad. My dad is from the South. He is from Tylertown, Mississippi. My mother is from El Dorado, Arkansas. So my parents are Southern. Now I was born in, in the North in Michigan, about 25 minutes North of Detroit in a city called Pontiac where the Lions used to play. We're still terrible no matter where we play, but where they used to play before they moved to Ford Field. So I grew up a general motors, manufacturing town, blue collar town with a father who was an entrepreneur. So at about 18, 19 years old, my dad was in community college and he worked a summer job. Uh, But the summer job paid so much money. So when he went back to school to try to get aid, they were like, listen, you make too much money. Your income is too big. So you can't, and this is, you know, in the seventies, Mm-hmm. You can't get financial aid. So a little distraught, but he had taken one class. That class was in real estate science. Mm-hmm. So his his girlfriend at the time 
helped him buy some real estate books. And at 19 years old, my father was a licensed real estate agent. Mm-hmm. By the time he was 25, he was the t- one of the top listing agents in his, in his uh, real estate firm. Mm-hmm. And at 26, he and my grandmother and my uncle opened up their first dry cleaning operation. So I grew up in the family of, of entrepreneurs. I grew up working under the table, um, learning the fundamentals of, of customer service and dealing with difficult people and putting a product out there. So that's kind of always been in my blood. That's always been in my blood. So now, you know, year, years later, I started my company about three years ago. My dad was like, what took you so long? Mm. And, and the focus of my company is the Cardell Group is a focus on emerging leadership. Okay. That is young leaders who are just getting started, who are just like me, who didn't know. You got gifts, talents, abilities, skills, opportunities, but you don't know what to do with them. And people tell you things like nebulous things like you're going to be a leader one day but they don't tell you the how and they don't tell you the what. So what I do in keynotes, in coaching, in training, and both digital and print resources is provide that advice and counsel for emerging leaders who are just getting started and for seasoned leaders who now have to deal with emerging leaders. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so by emerging, are we like focusing kind of on millennials or just anyone who's in the beginning stages of understanding they are a leader. So my definition of emerging is whenever you change seats, mm-hmm. you're an emerging leader. Okay. okay. So if you go, if you go from, if you go from project manager to senior director, no matter your age, you're mm-hmm. sitting in a new seat. You got a new vantage point. You got to learn some skills all over again. So it's irrespective of age. Mm-hmm. It's, it's essentially whenever your responsibilities shift and there is a learning curve, I define you as an emerging leader, regardless of your age. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So now my question to you, as far as the entrepreneurial aspect is, um, the family got into got real estate and started buying these uh, traditional businesses. I'm, I'm understanding there. Why do you decide to go into the, the leadership, the thought, the thought leadership, the thinking, um, that portion, as opposed to selling products yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, my father when I was growing up and I would ride in the car with him, he would be listening to these sales tapes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know I was listening to these guys. So mm-hmm. I've been li- listening to Les Brown and, and mm-hmm. Zig Ziglar and Earl Nightingale as a kid growing up. So now when I'm getting older and I'm rediscovering these things, my dad is telling me, oh, we, I used to listen to those things when you were a kid. So it's kind of built into the fiber of my maturation process, mm-hmm. this idea of motivation, of success, of empowering people. Now, growing up in the family business, I saw all of it, the ins and outs, the ups and downs. And part of me said, because eventually we went into bankruptcy in the, in the mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm not, nah, I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to do that. But I always had a penchant, a gift for public speaking. So, you know, growing up, I was a church kid. If you're, black, if you're an African-American church kid and you can speak well, like they put you in front of the microphone. <laughs> Like there's no, there's come no like announcements, baby. Yeah, come exactly. <laughs> come on, you gonna speak for Children's Day? Stand up on the little stool. So, you know, that's how I got started. And then when I went to college, I was trying to figure out what to major in, and I, I, I stumbled upon communication. And I was like, oh, you gotta, you have to give speeches, you have to teach people how to do speeches, analyze persuasion, break down. Oh, I got that. That's in the bag. Mm-hmm. And when I started, it just came so natural to me. And then when I went into grad school, my, my grad school dean was like, yo, I need you to be a professor. Hmm. I need you to teach other kids 
who come from your background, how to use their gift. And it really got me along this idea of teaching. And then a light bulb clicked like, man, I should, what's the entrepreneurial aspect of this? Because when you look at most job postings, they say near the top, we're looking for someone with effective communication skills. Mm -hmm. But in the higher education process, it's not really something that we underscore. Mm-hmm. You know, kids, a lot, of, a lot of young people have the option. Do I take a communications course or public speaking course or group dynamics course? And what I tell people all the time is much of higher ed teaches you how to be good by yourself. Yeah. yeah. Your grades, your study, your practice. But then when you get into the professional world, you got to figure out how to be good with other people. Mm-hmm. You got to talk, relate, connect. And I found that there is a niche for teaching people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, how to be better speakers, how to be better communicators, things that they should have learned in their maturation and education process but didn't learn. And they pay, they pay handsomely. <laughs> Yo, we got our first bar <laughs> dropped in there. Yo, so I, I just want to, I want to step in, I want to just tap and touch back on something you said there because um, I want to make sure TFP family hears that process that you went through because some of us yeah. are trying to find our path and trying to are so focused on I need to know what it is that I'm trying what I need to do yeah. but what I hear from your story is that even though one first bar stopped in there is teaching embedding these seeds into your kids when you was young you didn't know it's so my daughter's been hearing the same stuff in the car we don't listen to a lot of music she's mm-hmm. hearing podcasts she's hearing uh personal development she's just hearing all these different speaking motivation all around it right yeah yeah but that's one thing so to embed that seeds and it comes out later right However, you also talked about, you went into, you, you, you saw what your passion was, something that you know you can, you're going to be good at, and you stepped into, how do I get better at this? Yeah, yeah. Okay? Then you got into that. Then you had the next aspect of, of teaching, and now it's like, well, how do I go back to your roots, which are entrepreneurship? How do I turn my teaching and my speaking into a business? And that is a sound model for all TFP family hearing right now. It's like the things that you are great at and your experiences, you will, if you look from the perspective, how can I monetize this? How can I get paid to do mm-hmm. this? You have a business right there. Mm-hmm. So I love that you, that you uh, broke that down right there in the process that you came through. So how do we get, uh, I want to touch on one of the things you also said there too. You talked about communication. Yeah. And I, as you were saying it, I was like, dang, I think I took a communication class my freshman year and that was it. That <laughs> <laughs> was the school of business. And I was like, yeah. that's it. I never had another communication class that I can remember. That's crazy. But I, it makes so much sense that I got to communicate. We need to, the leaders need effective communication. Team members need effective communication. And they yeah. don't really teach it. So I love that you're, that's a great space you're stepping into. So as you step into this business, you uh, said you want to help uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 year old is, uh, um, leaders and to go step into their new roles and to their emerging leadership. You decided to write a book then or when did this for the first book come out on the leadership green? Yeah. So I wrote leading while green back yep. in 2015 is when I wrote the book. So here's, here's the scenario and I got, I got stories for days. Okay. That's so, uh, 2015, man, we got it. So let's back up a little bit more. Finish grad school. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I finished grad school uh, the first time, and I took a job at uh, NGO, a non-government organization, doing fundraising, communication pieces, writing. I got a, a travel to Ethiopia. It was a great, great trip. Also heartbreaking 
uh, when you see some of these, this, the work that NGOs do. And I came back from that trip kind of doing a bit of soul searching. And I was like, this, this, this ain't it. This, this ain't it. This is not it. So I'm a person of faith and, and my faith journey was like, you need to go back. You kind of, you kind of need to massage this faith thing just a little bit more. So I go back to school and I train, I train to be a pastor. So I'm in, 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 in seminary and theological studies for three years, but I get my old job back teaching. So, which is great. Cause I got income. And then I picked up another job teaching at a, at a college that was about 30 minutes away from my school. And I'm just, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm dying because, you know, I'm taking 16 graduate credits. I'm teaching two classes. I got a side job, little baby at home, sleeping like three hours a night, but <laughs> I'm loving it. So I, yeah. I, I finished graduate study. I finished the second graduate degree. And I remember when I was finishing, the school offered me an opportunity to teach full time. And I was like, nah, this ain't it. But they invited me to do my final lecture. They're like, we need you to coalesce everything you learned about teaching and learning and your journey down into like a an hour lecture. And we're going to hold a special assembly. We're going to invite people from campus. So I gave that final lecture, uh, maybe about 100 people in the room. And when I finished, another young lady in the grad program, she said to me, yo, have you ever thought about being like a public speaker? I was like, nope. She said, <laughs> she said, you should because you're good. Mm-hmm. And and the power of affirmation, bro, mm-hmm. like getting into places and spaces where you can be affirmed goes a long way. So I spent that mm-hmm. summer while I'm looking for a job to be a pastor. I spent that summer trying to figure out Googling, how do you become a public speaker? How do you become? <laughs> and I sent out my first set of emails and they were trash. And I remember somebody wrote me back and they said, if you keep sending out messages like this, you will never get hired. <laughs> wow. Okay. And so you're not, kinda, you're not defeated. No, I'm not defeated. So, and I don't know if the, the person was trying to slander me or help me because the message came mixed in there. And because it, <laughs> this was like an English professor. So I don't know how I sent this person this email to ask to speak at their school but she rewrote my email. Oh, wow. She said, send your email out like this. And I was like, oh, after I picked my feelings up off the floor, <laughs> I started sending out this, this email. Now this is in J- May, June of 2011. May, June, May, June, May, June of 2012. Mm-hmm. July of 2012, I get a job as a pastor. I moved to Kentucky. And I'm lost because I've had three years of theological training, but I don't know how to lead in a Mm. pastoral context. This is a different type of leadership. Yeah. So I start writing notes about my journey, journaling what I was going through. And then I was sharing it with my friends and they were like, yo, can you send me a copy of that? I'm like, this is kind of my personal journey. They're like, (laughs) well, well, can you put it in a book? And I was like, nah, I'm not really down for writing a book. At the same time, my dad is making a pivot because he is a, a business coach. And I told my dad, I said, you know, dad, book is a new business card. You kind of need to write a book. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, it's too difficult. It's too much to go through. Mm-hmm. So we kind of sat on the idea for a couple of years. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to write this book to prove to you that you can write a book easily. 
So that was my catalyst for writing the book. It wasn't that I wanted to produce some leadership book. It was, I was trying to show my dad that this could be done and this is the new way of marketing for this generation. And I, I had the source material of my leadership journey and I put it together and, and scraped by on a shoestring yeah. budget. I mean, listen, I think I did that book for like $200. Yeah, I know and what you mean. I got it out there flaws and all. And that really just ignited the journey. Mm, Excellent. Excellent. I love that. (laughs) So you wrote the book to help, uh, to help spark your daughter, your father to inspire him to write his book also to help build his business. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you, when did you decide to, that it was actually something that you could use for yourself or when did you start leveraging that? So I wrote the book and well, we, if you know anything about anybody who's a who's a who's a pastor who is in the ministry space, mm-hmm. um, what you see on TV, from and even in many places on social media, from uh, these high-profile uh, figures of faith, mm-hmm. that's like a small percentage. Mm-hmm. Most of us are in perpetual struggle mode, like okay. perpetual. I mean, cats out here just broke. All right. We're trying to trying to do our job, trying trying to teach, trying to inspire and encourage people to get their lives on the right track. And it's it's a tough job. Now at the time I was I was pastoring two small churches and we were just kind of broke. And as mm. a person of faith again, the impulse I got was you need to finish this project because this is going this is the next phase of what life and helping people looks like for you. Mm. You're not gonna be doing mm. this pastoring thing in the local congregation context forever. It's, mm-hmm. it's a new, a different avenue. So I'm wrestling with the catalyst to help my dad and also this impulse that I really need to kind of birth this project. And I sat on it. I sat on it, man. And man, we hit a rough, rough patch, man. We were just flat broke, just flat broke. My wife's a stay at home mom. I got two small churches. I'm trying to like speak and stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. Flat broke, went, went to the refrigerator one day. Like I knew nothing was, I don't know why I went to the refrigerator because I knew there's nothing in the refrigerator, mm-hmm. but I went to the refrigerator because I had to make lunches for my kids for the next day. And there was just no food in there. And, you know, I, I, I had, I shared a couple tears mm-hmm. and I, and for so many different reasons. And I remember my oldest at the time, she would, she asked me, why are you crying? And I didn't respond. Then she asked my wife is, is, is daddy crying because we don't have any food? Mm-hmm. And so I, I swallowed my pride. I called my pops. I asked him for a couple of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, did, he didn't have a lot of money at the time either. So he gave me what he could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know that at the time, uh, when my wife took a couple of dollars and she went to the store to grab some food. My wife didn't tell me this till, till years later. So when she went to the store, she actually asked people for money. Mm. She asked people for a couple of dollars to add to what the little we had so we could get some some more food. And I was like kind of devastated hearing it years later. Right. And man, we, so we got through that section of time and this impulse to write this book. And I finished writing the book, um, get the first copies. I only have, and I don't know if you talk about Amazon and KDP, pub, yep. KDP publishing on your podcast, but mm-hmm. I got those, I got like four 
um, what do they call them? Preview copies of the book. Yep. Because mm-hmm. that's all I have money for. Mm-hmm. All I have money for were, were were the preview copies, and I and I ordered them and I put on social media that my book was out because mm-hmm. I need to, I need to sell it so I can buy buy the copies <laughs> of it. Yeah. And when I put it out, another church organization, um, well, part of the church organization that I work for, said, uh, "Hey Quinn." Um, we see that you have a book out. <laughs> so you can't, how, how, how do you expect people to know if you don't tell them? Some of mm-hmm. us are entrepreneurs. We're upset that nobody's calling us. Nobody's giving us a chance. Nobody's buying our materials or yeah. inviting us to come. But you haven't told anybody what you're doing. Like, we don't read minds. And, <laughs> and attention is the, new, is the new commerce now. Mm-hmm. So you got to tell people, you got to be bold enough to believe in what you have that you're willing to tell people. I put it all over social media. My book is out. They call and say, hey, Quinn, um, we see you have a new book out and um, we're having a leadership conference. Mm-hmm. We got 100 people. We want to buy a copy of the book for each of the attendees. Mm-hmm. And we want you to come and give three talks over the weekend about leadership. Mm-hmm. I was Look at him. Look at them. <laughs> I was watch, like, him, watch him work. Listen. Watch him work. <laughs> so I said, because my father's an entrepreneur, so some things have rubbed off. I said, okay, great. Um, here's what I need you to do. Uh, happy to arrange the time to come and speak, and I'm, I'm free that weekend. Uh, but I need you to pay for the book first. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I ain't got no money. Right. Yeah. So I remember driving to pick up the check uh, for the for the books. It was a hundred books. I sold them at ten dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. So I got a thousand dollars. The book through through Amazon KDP at the time. I think it was like two thirty five mm-hmm. for me to buy a copy and then turn around and resell it. So I did the margin I had, and I was like, oh, oh the light bulb went off again. Like, oh. yeah. So you mean? So you mean to tell me when people on the internet say I'm giving away my book for free, just <laughs> pay it. for shipping and handling. That's it. And shipping and handling is $7. They've only paid about $2 for the book. So they still make a mark. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> got that one. I got it. <laughs> and, and from that experience, man, people, I just started sharing pictures of when I would go and, sh- and, 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 and share my book and people just started calling. And then I still, I'm still doing the cold calls. I'm still doing the cold emails because my father was a salesperson. Mm-hmm. I'm still getting, I'm still getting a conversion rate of one person responding for every hundred emails that I send out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I so believed in the message of helping emerging leaders of being scared, leading while scared and not knowing what to do that I was able to, and people not still now in the, in the, in the sales cycle, still people say, I don't know who you are or no, I'm not interested. Um, but, but that I hurry up and get past that person because the yes person, uh, requires that I, that I go through these rejections mm-hmm. and no's to get to the people who really need the the service that I provide. So yeah, yeah we just dropped another bar right there. Definitely said bar. So let's catch it. Catch it, man. Um, First off, I appreciate your, you telling that story. I know that's a touching story in there, and um, I could feel the, the, the desperation, the pain um, from that experience. But I also hear 
that you have that glory that comes out of it. You have that, yeah. <laughs> you because of that story, you're to help inspire some other people to push through those uh, struggle points, those challenges in life as you have. And not only did you, you push through it, but you've also learned from that experience that it's okay to continue to push through in those, because there's going to be those, that, that period of 99 people that are like, ah, I'll pass right now. But then you get that one. And so those, all, the, all those opportunities where he's like, I got this book out here. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I can't, I don't know how to, I don't have any money to pay to sell this book right now. Or to get my own copies to sell the book. And then, boom, let the guy show up in your life and show you, I, I believe in you. You've done, you've been faithful. I'm going to reward you for your work, right? I love hearing that aspect of it. But it's really what I'm hearing there is pushing through those moments when you don't know whether you're supposed to, keep, uh, how you're going to go forward. Like things are gone crazy. Things are not gone the way you've imagined them. But it doesn't mean that you're supposed to stop that journey. So I, I, lo- I thank you for um, sharing that, that touching moment in your life. So let me ask you this. As you continue to, uh, to you have another book that came out after that uh, on, on leadership also. And uh, I want to ask, what was your business like before you wrote that book? Because we got an idea of what kind of what it was before they wrote the book there. But just kind of touch a little more about how this started transitioning you to a yeah. new aspect in, in your business and how you started leveraging that to start. As you said, man, you said already, uh, they pay well <laughs> when they want to <laughs> land these cases. So uh, talk to us about how, what happened with um, using the book and, le- book and leveraging into other speaking engagements, training, um, keynotes, all that, so forth. Yeah, so when... My first engagement, my first paid speaking engagement mm-hmm. came That's crucial. In, That's crucial. Paid versus <laughs> came in 2013. Now understand, I grown up in the church, so a lot of speaking in the faith market. Mm-hmm. Uh, college professor for almost at the time it had been eight years. Mm-hmm. So speaking every day, multiple times a week uh, to different audiences. And then I was a recruiter for my university for a while. So I had a lot of experience speaking. Now, I'm not thinking about this at the time in terms of building a business, but it's a great thing to do is to take stock of all of your experiences and what you've learned from it. And then how do you pivot or leverage what you've already what you've already gone through? Mm -hmm. So 2013, I don't have a book out yet in 2013. Mm -hmm. The book doesn't come out to 2015. I'm still trying to figure out how to be a professional speaker mm-hmm. um and i doing the cold email things and i got a response from university of louisville mm. and i talked to a lady there in the african-american male initiative and okay. student retention program wow you remember that whole name okay oh man i meant listen <laughs> you, you remember the first check bro you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, re- I talked to them and I said, listen, I resonate with what you're doing. I was an honors graduate of high school, but then when I went to college, did some foolish stuff, party, lost mm-hmm. my academic scholarship, was on academic probation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of fit all of the metrics of the audience that you're speaking to. And I have a message for them. And sure, you know, I was a teacher for all of these years. I'm experienced in talking to young people, X, Y, and Z. And you know, we had a conversation on the phone and she said, what's your price? Now I don't, I haven't Googled that far to get the prices. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know yet. So I, I pause for just a few moments cause I got to give her a number. And I say, my price is, uh, 
$1,700. This was for one 45-minute presentation to African-American male initiative and retention students. One 45-minute presentation, $1,700. As I was ending the sentence of saying $1,700, she says, okay, good, no problem. I said, man, I messed up. Sit ass up. That's the rule. If they don't pause, you too low. Ah, yeah. Uh, so so I, I did that engagement and I started leveraging that engagement. So by the time the book is out, uh, see, book is the new business card still. That price point is different. Mm. So you can't, you, you can't, not, not, not only is the price point different, now I have leverage to go into the corporate market because corporate is all about not just inspiration, but what resources, what evidence did you do you have? Mm. And being an African-American male, listen, I don't care what these people tell you on the internet. I don't care what these speaker programs tell you. It's different for us. Mm-hmm. It's different. You got to come with it. You got to be twice as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so having this book now, cause once you become, once you write a book, you become an authority, it opens up different doors. They have to treat you different and the price points are different. So, uh, fast forward to a month ago, mm-hmm. um, a month ago, I, I don't pastor a church anymore. I do this full time. Oh, that's what's up. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So because it pays. So. <laughs> so you're full-time speaking at this point over here yeah. right now yeah okay. excellent 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 um i saw i i've heard you drop a lot of knowledge here a lot of stories uh that i believe the audience is our tfp family is definitely gonna pull some some of their own experiences out mm-hmm. of and start seeing how they can continue to move forward i particularly um want to hear what you have learned during the writing process. Cause you also mm-hmm. definitely want to touch upon that second book. And um, I, I want to get into maybe some particulars of the second book that emerging leaders there. Yeah. Um, and maybe since you just two aspects of leadership, you're talking about it. So you may want to touch upon both of those, but what have you learned during the writing process? And I'm not specifically saying like um, writing skills, like yeah. how, what have you learned about life, about business from that writing process? Yeah. So, um, a, hu- a huge thing that I've learned is there is somebody who needs to hear what you got to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of us, when we come down to, to writing a book, we start thinking crazy things. And one of the crazy things that we think is, uh, who's going to read it? Who Who's going to be interested in what I have to say? And there's a book that I keep on my shelf. I don't see it right offhand, but I- I've never read the book. I bought it at the bookstore because I saw it on the bookshelf and I said, that is one of the most interesting titles I've ever seen. And I bought the book as a reminder that if there is a book on this, I can write a book. What? Okay. What's the title of the book, man? And the book is, I don't know if you, ah, there it is. I don't know if people are going to watch, if you're listening to this or you're watching a video, the, the, this book that I, that I keep on my shelf is called Winnie the Pooh on management. <laughs> Ah, love it. They, they look, they were pulling, they was pulling, bro. They was trying to, they was trying to grit some creative. So, and this was, I bought this at Barnes and Noble. Mm, uh, okay. So it wasn't yeah. just, that's, that means a big, a big fun, uh, company that published that thing. So I said, if this book can be on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, 
mm-hmm. then I got a chance. Mm-hmm. I've never read this book. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read it eventually, but it's it's a reminder. It just shit sits on my bookshelf as a reminder mm-hmm. that if you have the 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 bravery to write a book on when the correlating Winnie the Pooh mm-hmm. and management, then then somebody can can hear my message. And and I I also realized, man, I I know a lot more. I've had a lot more relevant experiences than I've taken stock of. Mm-hmm. And it was only mm-hmm. in the process of mm-hmm. sitting down and going back. And th- this is how really many of the stories that I can tell so easily off the top of my head, because in the writing process, I'm going back and remembering what were the significant points in my life? What were the lessons from those things? Mm-hmm. Man, that was really transformative. And when you begin to put 10 to 12 experiences together, you realize, wow, I do have a body of work. I do have a collection of stories and insights that people want want to want to learn from. And then you realize you are more valuable than you think. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. more valuable than you think. When you start to think about all the things that you've been through, all the lessons that you've learned, all the times that you've grown. And, and it really, it really helped to bolster my confidence in what I was doing and in myself and in my journey, because I, up, up until that point, when I, up until when I started writing, I never took the time to take stock of who is Pierre? What does he contribute to the world? How is he a person of value? How can he help people? It was only through the intentional writing process of going back over my personal history to say, man, you, there's a lot inside of you that you need to shed some light on. And it was only, it was really only through that writing process that I said, wow, there's a lot more here than I give, than I give credit for. I love that. I, 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 yeah, look, I love what you just said there in that, um, your mind, you, the, the analogy that came to mind was, or a metaphor that came to mind was about mining my past for gold. Yeah. I'm mining my life for gold, diamonds, juries, whatever you want to, you put it as there, whatever makes your heart flutter, whatever, yeah. is that you're diving in there, but you have to go look for that, the acres, uh, what's, it, what's the book called? Um, uh, acres of Diamonds. <laughs> understand <laughs> it's already inside of you. It's yeah. your, your wealth is already there on the property and the land you have. And particularly right now, metaphorically speaking, it's within your story, within mm-hmm. you. Um, I love that you said that. And as you start exploring your life, you start seeing so much more to who you are. And you'll be able to not only to, to share your stories now, but able to speak it with confidence. Like, yeah. man, I have truly learned this. Let me tell you about how I learned it, though. <laughs> <laughs> and... So, and so with, with speaking about learning, touching on those stories, you're ready to pull them out of there. You dropped a nice little bar for those who are listening to the real nuggets behind the nuggets is that you were journaling these stories in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And you were just journaling your process, what you were going through. You were sharing it with a few people, and they said, you need to turn this into a book. So you kind of had that idea, the process of putting your stories down already. Mm-hmm. And now you get to the point where you want to write this book and then try to figure out what stories are going to help me um, share this lesson, which I believe is partly part of your not only teaching at the mm-hmm. collegiate level, but also being a minister is being able to use yeah. stories to leverage yeah. the lesson. So speak will you will just, just draw, speak to that tip real quickly. Um, just real quickly on how the importance of using a story for its lessons. That's coming back from both sides again from yeah, so uh, I have an undergraduate and graduate degree in communication. I also have a graduate degree in theology. 
And in my, in my undergraduate and graduate degree in communication, we did a lot of media literacy, persuasion, uh, communication studies. And you realize everything is storytelling. Mm. Everything is, everything is sto- <laughs> oh, okay. storytelling. So, and I, and I always got books. I got a book by Matthew Loon. Matthew Loon is one of the principal artists at Pixar. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book. And, you know, every Pixar movie, he's virtually been a part of it. He wrote a book called The Best Story Wins. Mm, definitely been and, and The Best Story Wins, How to Leverage Hollywood Storytelling in Business and Beyond. And when you think about it, everything is built on a story. For example, I was watching a commercial earlier today from a, a jewelry store. And the jewelry store, I think it was K-Jewelers, right? Every kiss begins with a K. You remember that tagline. <laughs> yeah. And I remember watching in the, in, the, in the advertisement, the guy opens up a ring box, and then the girl smiles, and she kisses him. They're hugging, and the camera's tilting and all around. What's the story? The story that they've told you is that if you get a K-Jewelry <laughs> ring, yeah. You're going to get the girl. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't come out verbatim, and that, that was the copy that they read to you. But, but in 90 seconds, that was the picture, and that was the story they gave you, the, the images and, and, the, and the music. Because every, everything is built on a story, a car commercial. If you, if you pull up, if you pull up, wherever you pull up, the war ceremony or, or the club or the wars banquet, like in these Lexus commercials, when you pull, if you pull up in this car, you'll be noticed, you'll be popular, people will take your picture and, and they'll let you behind the velvet rope. That's the story they're telling you in 90 seconds. So everything is built on story. So if you want to convince, persuade, enlighten, guide a person, you do it through through story is the is the oldest form of teaching. It's been around uh, for forever, and you remember it. Research proves that if you attach facts, figures, and research to a story, mm-hmm. the retention goes up exponentially. Versus if, if you just told people the facts, figures, and information, and and that's what I that's what I pulled out of my graduate studies. You know, mm-hmm. if the better storytellers, if you weave that information into a story, people will retain that information for much much longer. See now, CFP family, you know why I let people just tell their stories on there. I didn't know that. I just know it worked for me. <laughs> now we got now we got proof <laughs> that what I've been doing is going to work and why it works. So as we move forward here, get wrapping up here. For uh, today's, we're going, we're going to go into your last little personal pieces here. But yeah. we really want to get. I really want to ask you this: Is that um, what's your best book promo tip for 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 TFP family? How are you best thing for doing that? I know you've done a lot of research. You probably did some googling. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. So there's there's different there's different circles, right? First, consider the. People who your family and friends, please don't get mad at them if they don't buy your book. <laughs> Y'all, just stop, man. Oh, just, man. Just stop. All right. The, use them for, for, make them part of your social media team and ask them to like and share everything that you post. But don't get mad at them because they, they don't buy your book. Because truthfully, they might not be your audience. Mm-hmm. They might not be your audience. So, one of the biggest things that have helped me promote my book is one recognizing it is a business card. Mm-hmm. It is a $2 and 50 cent business card. Mm-hmm. So because it's a $2 and 50 cent business card, 
my primary objective is not to get rich off selling books. I'm not attempting to become a New York Times bestselling author and live off the royalties of my books coming in the mail. I'm attempting to use my books as leverage and platform to get to other places and spaces and do this leadership coaching training, workshop, Mm -hmm. keynote speaking. That being said, I have no problem, and I've done this several times, finding a person of influence at an organization, at a college, at a university, at a nonprofit, dropping a copy of the book in the mail with a note saying, hey, this is who I am, this is what I do. Can you please read this and let me know what you think? Oh, love that. Okay. I'm not trying to sell them. Oh, I love that. I'm giving them a gift. The gift is my writing. And I'm asking in return for the gift of writing, the gift of their opinion. Mm -hmm. And based on how they respond to the book, I leverage that conversation into something else. So it's, it's, man, man, yeah, I paid $2.50 for a copy of the book that I'm selling for $15, $20, but it's a business card. Mm -hmm. So I'm comfortable with how much of my cards I give away because I know the return on investment. You know, I give, I gave a book away. A person came, came back around and bought 85 copies for everybody on their team. Was that worth the $2 and 50 cent? Well, plus mailing five bucks or whatever that I spent mm-hmm. to give them this gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. So be, be so comfortable with, with giving a certain percentage of things away because there would definitely be a return on investment once it gets into the hands of key people. Excellent. Love that. Love that tip. Definitely want to use that. Um, <laughs> and then I get the numbers running through my head. It was running through the like, all right, so if I got to give out a hundred books at $5 and I get the one invest for the one speaking engagement, which in the beginning was $1,700, I still got a $1,200 come up. <laughs> so, which means now I can, so now I can go back and do the same thing again was while I'm spending the $1,200. Absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, I was Absolutely. like, those numbers definitely work. People will miss that fact that the numbers work. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I asked people, look at your numbers. Where are we going and see, like you said, uh, this is an investment. Yeah. See what the end return on the investment is. Even in the beginning when you only had could afford four books, you still <laughs> invested in those four books so that you could try to get more books. You already had it in your, in your mind, the entrepreneurial mindset. I got to invest so I can get more products and start selling. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's go. We're going to go into some of the fun questions here uh, yeah. as we're wrapping up everything today. So uh, what is your favorite book? And I understand uh, this is coming behind your first two. <laughs> so what's your, your number three book? Um, and if you got to come down to, if you need to give us your top three, if you need to. My favorite book like yeah. that I've read or. Mm, just, your, just your favorite book. I don't care if it's your favorite book you've read or just the one you recommend the most, however you want to define it. Oh man, that's like man, that's like asking a dad who his favorite kids are. Man, you got. That's why <laughs> I, 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 I gave you a top three. You can use yeah. top three, right? Yeah. So I've had some books that have been like very, very, very transformative yeah. uh, for me. One is Boundaries. Uh, by by. Judas, <laughs> I think you. You're at least a second. I want to say third person on this podcast who's talked about book boundaries. Yeah, boundaries. But I think Cloud, uh, Henry Cloud and Townsend, man, that mm-hmm. book. Um, just, just being comfortable that as you progress, the levels of access that people have to you, the way that, that you manage your interactions, the way that you guard yourself. Uh, well, many of us come from, 
not many of us, but there are some of us that come from uh, trauma-filled, toxic environments, and we didn't have boundaries put in place. Right. And everything is kind of coalesced. And in order to have the success that we're looking for personally, professionally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, there needs to be some boundaries established and not feel bad by, by placing those boundaries. So that book, Boundaries, was, 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 it was incredible for me. Second one, John Maxwell, Five Levels of Leadership. Great book, Five Levels of Leadership. And remembering just the, the best leaders reproduce leaders. Right? Yeah, okay. Now I remember it was coming back to me as you're saying that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so um, just, just realizing that personally, you know, you could be witty, you could be engaging, people could love to be around you. But if you're not producing other leaders, you're not really maximizing um, really what you've been giving. You're, mm. you're doing a general um, disservice, disservice to the world. Mm. Mm. So you know, that's, that's, that's very, very important. Uh, another, another favorite book of mine is called Oz Guinness. It's called, it, the book is called The Call. Okay. Uh, it, it's by Oz Guinness. And the, the, the premise of the book is that everybody has a gift. Uh, mm-hmm. to share with the world. Everybody is called to do something uh, with mm-hmm. their gifts and their talents and their abilities and going on the journey of what your particular calling and gifting looks like and how you share that with, with the world. Love it. Definitely have all those in the show notes. Love that. Love it. So now this question is, what is your favorite quote? <sighs> Man, right there. So not to be like extra John Maxwell, but uh, like a little theme. Okay. <laughs> um, and what, uh, he said, we have, we have uphill goals, mm-hmm. but we have downhill habits. Yeah. Yeah. And that just, <laughs> um, and then James Baldwin, I don't know if you're a James Baldwin fan, African-American mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. author and, and mm-hmm. cultural critic. Um, James Baldwin says, young people often fail to listen to their elders, but they never fail to imitate them. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, I like that one. Cause it's been so true. Yeah. I never heard, I never heard that one before, but that is yeah. so true. Wow. That's a good one. So good. So good. Especially from a parenting perspective. <laughs> Man, listen. They go, it's an odd, uh, Leave it to an author to be eloquent with the statement. Because <laughs> <laughs> all I heard, uh, what I heard growing up was, "Do as I uh, do as I say, not as I do." But knowing that I'm going to do what you do and not what you say. But, Absolutely. But it, <laughs> that's, that's just so eloquent. All right. So before we before you tell us where um, where where we can find you on social media or online, uh, which maybe some next projects or anything that you want to share with us. Um, I want you to take your time right now and just, it's your stage here, share your message, what message um, you must share with the world. Just go ahead and share that with, uh, with our TF3 family. Yeah, there, it, it, it's really tough sometimes when you think about where you've been and what you're dealing with right now and the obstacles that you're facing. But the crazy thing is that you're only going to be able to live the life that you have the possibility to live and that you're called to live on the other side of the thing that you're afraid of. It's actually getting to the other side of the fear. The fear of, if I write it, will they read it? If I try, who will listen? What if I mess up and I fail? 
It is only on the other side of those things that you receive the knowledge, the experience, and the support to get to the next level in life. And, and understand that facing your fear and finding courage is not the absence of fear. It's knowing that even though you're scared, even though you're afraid, you're going to do it anyway. And great things always happen when you do it anyway. Great things always happen when you do it anyway. Love it. All right, Mr. Quinn, I appreciate you being on the show. Before you, uh, we call sign off here, go ahead and share with TFP family what's next for you. I can connect with you. Go ahead and leave those. And we'll put those, definitely put those links in the show notes. Yeah, so I am in the middle of a tour for my latest book, Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. We just did a tour stop in D.C. We're going to be in... We're going to be in Baltimore in December, and we're going to be in Orlando in January. You can check out all the tour dates at PRCQuinn.com. If you hop over to my website, PRCQuinn.com slash success keys, you'll download a free ebook. I've tapped into some of the world's top leadership development coaches, writers, authors, speakers, and they've given free advice on how to be successful as an emerging leader. That's PRCQuinn.com slash success keys. And to get a copy of my book, Leading While Scared, go to PRCQuinn.com slash scared. Love it. Love it. Definitely have those in there. And if you're trying to understand what emerging leadership is, you got to free the free download right there before you go ahead and grab that book, Leading While, while Scared, there with from Pat at Pierre, Pierre Quinn. I love this. Yo, this has been awesome. Um, I knew it was going to be awesome because you had you were uh, understanding and intelligent enough to go look at Howard University. H <laughs> <laughs> you, right? H <laughs> you. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> but Alfred, I appreciate you for what you're sharing with the world, uh, with your message you're sharing. I, I watched some of your videos you had on there, uh, especially I think you did one that was um, the, the, the track star who fell down yeah. the face and gets up and she finished the race. I was like... That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, so good. there's some there's some videos out there for y'all to check out on Pierre also um, on what he's been speaking them on. So uh, again, y'all, thank you for being here. Uh, and, um, it's been awesome, man. Thank you so much for just share with the world. All right, keep man, leading strong, brother. Man, appreciate you for your platform and your willingness to do that, man. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Well, definitely. God bless. You've just listened to episode number 19 of the Thought Fortunes podcast with your host, D. Orlando Fortune. I want to give thanks to our sound and audio guy, Kyle Binge, and of course to our creator. Do you have questions or comments from today's episodes? Please email them to fortune at thoughtfortunepress.com. And if you want to turn your ideas into a branded book that books more speaking engagements and generates more leads and have a signature suite of products that generates more streams of income for your business, go to thoughtfortunepress.com and click on the start here button. That's thoughtfortunepress.com. And if you like the show, do us a favor. Share, like, and join. Take a screenshot and share the episode with the hashtag, hashtag Thought Fortunes Podcast. And then show us how much you like us by giving us five stars. Yes, I said five stars and a review on iTunes. And then pop on into the conversation at the Facebook group, Write Your First Book. Love to talk to you in there. Always dropping nuggets and extra tidbits in the 
Facebook group. That'll be all for today. And always remember that you're only one book away. God bless. Until next time.